Welcome to the new Paradigm Podcast. My name is Morten Hake and this is the place where we'll talk about the stuff that's going to make you remember who you really are. Let's go. Hey guys, and welcome to the 22nd episode of New Paradigm Podcast. Today I'm guested by Three Principles trainer, diet and nutrition advisor, and raw food coach Elaine Hilidis. Elaine has worked in the well-being and weight loss field for over a decade and have helped hundreds of clients get their life and body that they want. In 2013, she published the book Mindfulness, the no-diet book, which go which does great on Kindle and now she just released a brand new six-week course called Love Food and Lose Weight Without Dieting which already has 389 students in just a few weeks uh, as I speak or as this is recorded. We shared stage at the Unlimited 2015 event in Finland in September and she told some amazing stories of health recovery in not just the weight loss area, but also in areas such as cancer. So I'm really excited to get to know Elaine better and listen to her experience of seeing and teaching this new paradigm of psychology. Welcome, Elaine. Welcome. Thank you. Um, yeah, you you just told me you just got off a client call and that you have a diverse kind of like client base and from, really <laughs> that's cool and I wanted to like uh, let the listeners know a little bit about your background and how you got into coaching in the first place and yeah can you tell a little bit about that okay um I first got into coaching oh gosh I don't know was it I don't know maybe 20 years ago um and I started with NLP as many people do mm. because I really liked the idea that you could move people on from where they were now. And I really liked that uh, Richard Mandler, the co-originator, said I had a very unhappy childhood and once was enough. I liked that, that the idea that you know you didn't have to stay stuck in the same feeling. So I, I trained in NLP for many years. I did everything that you could do. I did three trainer trainings. There was nowhere left to go. And all the time that I was working with NLP, I loved the language, but, I, but the, the techniques left me cold. And a lot of the people that would train me kept saying, oh, you're not opening up to it. And I'd say, I am, I am, but it's just not doing it for me. <laughs> so, so I worked with people with, with, with NLP and, you know, I, I had some success. I can see now the success I had was less to do with the techniques, but more to do with the conversations that we were having. Yeah. Um, so I really enjoyed working with people, but I knew there was something else. And then um, I started working with Jamie Smart and um, I was one of his first apprentices. There were just two of us. And um, I was so lucky because that was as Jamie was just getting into the principles. Mm. So I, I kind of started the journey with him. Oh. So he was getting it from, he, he, Michael Neal was his coach and he was giving it to me. Got it, nice. And so I was very lucky. So six years ago, um, you know, I was very lucky. I had, uh, we had very small groups, I don't know, five or six of us with George Pransky and all sorts of, wonderful opportunities that I actually didn't see as wonderful opportunities then they were just it was just a nice time yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so uh so I I and and as everybody says it just felt like coming home everything mm. slotted into place mm. um and I've used that ever since so I've worked with people and the wonderful thing is that that with NLP you know you have to track you have to track and I have to say that I didn't do that very well you're supposed to track people you're supposed to you know, be very, very aware of their presuppositions, which you can't help not being when you've been trained in the NLP, I, I know, but you have to be watching them for visual clues. And, and I would forget to do that because I would get so interested in the clients, I would forget to do the tracking. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, all, all of that was so much effort. Mm. It was so much. So if I was actually doing all of the things that you are trained to do, I, I really wasn't with the client at all because I was in my head doing all of these things. Yeah, it's such a relief to just be with the person. That's that's amazing because um, I also like have some background with NLP and like kind of like I can 
recognize that trying to like both preparing or yes. you know what to say or kind of like being in this trying vibe while also also having the intention to listen you know um but listen listen with a purpose mm, yeah <laughs> rather than just listening yeah <laughs> you know which is, is so much more restful for the client i think so so that's how I came into the principles and uh and I say I I just loved it and I I uh-huh. used to work I used to work part-time in a university and then see clients part-time uh and then I took the plunge um I don't know 5 years ago I think to work for myself full-time that's, which is yeah I I love <laughs> That's great. How can you can you tell a little bit about like your experience with like seeing something new or like did you have a like a, a breakthrough or was it more of like a slow process or what, what uh, changed I'm, for I'm, you I'm very I'm definitely a kind of drip feed mm. I didn't have um I didn't have the full orchestra insight I had I've had many 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 different insights and I've had mm. many I I am so different now I know I am very different in myself to the way I was even five years ago mm. Um, and the people around me can see a difference, but I don't necessarily feel a difference. I just know my life is is much better. Not my circumstances, because circumstances, as we know, go up and down. And so it's not like suddenly I have a la-la life. It just means that everything is easier in my life now. So so that's that's what I've seen. I've seen for me. I've seen massive changes for clients, massive changes. And they have too, which is wonderful. Most of my most of my clients come from word of mouth. That's amazing. So yeah, because because people people feel so good, they want to pass that on, and also other people want what they've got. <laughs> exactly, and you have a lot of um, you have a lot of diverse uh, clients, and I'd love to hear some of their stories and like some of your experiences with having those conversations. Um. I'm curious, uh, especially, can you, <clears throat> I don't remember exactly one of the stories, that, but the, I remember there was this amazing story you told in in Finland. I was just tuned into the vibe of the room and, and, and not necessarily, you know, being able to recall this story right now, but... You told something about a. Uh, was it you or someone close to you, or some kind of um, cancer-related story that I'm curious to hear more about? Well, there, I, I, I tell I tell a few really because because I do work with people that have been diagnosed. Um, but I I, know, I was telling a story which isn't mine, but it's a story that I find fascinating about uh-huh. uh, a guy who was a Greek War veteran. Oh. A guy called uh, Stamatinis Moretis, and I did tell his story. I don't know that because I'll, t- I'll tell it very briefly. Mm. It was a guy who was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer in 1976, and he um, uh, he he had been to see many many consultants, and they said that if he had treatment, it would prolong his life by a few months, but it wasn't going to cure him. Mm. And he thought if he died in America. He would. Um, it would cost about thousand dollars at the time for a funeral. But if he died in his native island, it would only cost about two hundred dollars. So he decided to go home with his wife to his native island of um, Ikaria, and he moved in with his parents on their um, disused vineyard. And he'd been given six to nine months to live. And his friends started to hear he was back, so they started coming around with wine and board games to, you know keeping company and he got really bored being in bed so he started to get up and plant some vegetables and after six months and he wasn't dead he decided to start working on the vineyard and 25 years later he he went back to America to ask the doctors what had happened and uh, unfortunately all the doctors were dead (laughs) (laughs) oh my god (laughs) and he died in 2013 he was 101 Wow. You know, and I, I told the story at the conference because if you remember my, my kind of um uh my the thing I was talking about mm. was is is health an inside job. Yeah. And and I so believe it is. And I, 
I'm very aware I have to be careful. Not, I don't want to give the impression that if anybody is ill, they've brought it on themselves. Or if, um, if somebody, you know, unfortunately people die. They, get, they do get ill and die. And I'm not saying that everybody can cure themselves. You know, I'm just saying that whatever is happening to you, you can still be peaceful. You can still have peaceful mind within whatever's happening. Mm. And, and, you know, people might say, well, it's okay for you. You know, you, you, you're quite healthy and, and thank God I am. But um, as, as I think you mentioned, I did have cancer. I had cancer seven years ago. Mm. And um, I, I, I don't know, it just it wasn't a deal for me. It just wasn't a deal for me. And I'm not saying I didn't have my moments, my three o'clock in the morning in, in the morning moments thinking, oh crap, what's gonna happen? But but fortunately I think this is why the principles landed so well with me, because we all know it's what we have anyway. It's what we just need to access. It, it, you know, when people talk about getting the principles or having the principles, or sometimes people say, When I remember the principles or when I'm in the principles, I'm okay, as if it was a thing to get to have it's just it just is isn't it it just mm -hmm. is and so and i know that that um when whatever is going on for you whatever circumstances whether it's relationships financial illness whatever's going on for you you still can deal with the circumstance with a peaceful mind mm -hmm. because as we know it's not the circumstance that's causing the feeling mm -hmm. it's the way we're thinking about the circumstance so I do work a lot with people that have been diagnosed with illness um, just to help them see that th there was a story, I think I told it as well in, at the conference, but there was a story, a, a guy came to me because he had, um, he had had a mole on his chest that he thought didn't look very good and he went to the doctor and the doctor said, no, no, the mole's fine, but I'm a bit concerned about the lump on your chest and this guy hadn't even noticed he had a lump on his chest. Oh, really? And the doctor said, in all innocence, don't worry, I don't think it's cancer. Mm. So you can imagine, where did oh, the guy go? Oh, there so he goes, yeah. In, in the time it took for the doctor to refer him to the hospital and for him to go and have a biopsy, and then waiting for the biopsy results, he came to see me because he was going crazy. Mm. Because he really, really thought this was the end. He'd, he'd virtually said goodbye to his family, he'd written his will, and he had... He had headaches and he thought he had a brain tumor. He had cancer in the brain. His chest was tight, which it would be because he was so stressed. He was tight and he couldn't breathe, so he thought he had lung cancer. His bones ached. So this poor man felt as if he was riddled with cancer and he was feeling the pain. He was feeling the effect because we do, because that's what the power of our mind is. We feel what's going on. And it turned out he had a benign cyst. <laughs> What's that? But it's just like a little, like a fatty lump. Really. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it was nothing at all. But, but, but in that time, in the weeks, he had really, really suffered. Yeah. yeah? Now, the, the, the reason I so don't want people to suffer for anything is because th th there's, a, there's a lot of theories that things like cancer... Um, come about you know the, the, because the cells are are starting to do what they shouldn't do cells are designed to die off mm. they kind of commit suicide if they're not working properly mm. but but sometimes they go rogue and instead of dying off they do things they're not supposed to do like multiply and blah, blah, blah. Mm. and and there, there's a theory that that um trauma and stress can cause cells to start to go rogue now that's not saying that anyone that's stressed is going to get cancer i don't mean that at all but i'm saying if your cells are responding to to some kind of stress um isn't it better to try and relieve the stress in the beginning mm. rather than deal with something if you get it because yeah. of the stress you know there's a there's um uh, a, a cancer charity in england that work with people to they believe that that if the, if the cells started to, to, to work in a way they shouldn't because of trauma, mm. they, take, they take recovering patients, this is recovering patients, back to the trauma to help them get over it. <laughs> yeah? So, so they, they believe that the cells have gone rogue because of the trauma, 
which we know is is the mental effect of the trauma. Mm. So they take people back mentally to the trauma. How do the cells know it's not happening? <laughs> it's just nuts. Yes. So so I'm there. I'm, I'm actually I'm quite passionate about all the work I do, and I am passionate about the whole health and illness, um, which is why I'm so passionate about nutrition and and you know. The weight loss came because of the the, the, the passion about nutrition, yeah. and I also also really really enjoy, if that sounds right, working with addicts. I work a lot with addicts, um, and I was um, according to Jack Pransky's book, I was the first person in England to start a well-being group for uh, those in recovery. That must be that must be a, a crazy adventure. I mean, it's wonderful, wonderful, yeah. wonderful. And, you know, people have told me, um, well, one woman that I work with, uh, worked with quite closely, and I am one day writing a book about addiction, I started it, and then I get distracted <laughs> with other things. And she, her story will run through the oh. book. But um, uh, she, she told me that she had been clean for a long time. After many, many years, she, was, she lived on, on the streets, um, literally, and metaphorically, I mean, she lived on the streets and she also worked as a prostitute to, to um, fund her habit. Mm. But she, um, she said that, that she thought she was in recovery until she came across the principles, until she was introduced to this way of understanding. Because, but now she said she can see that she was abstinent. Abstinent. So she wasn't having the drugs because but she knew she shouldn't so she was abstaining but she still thought she wanted them got it yeah and then when she came across the principles that's when she went into recovery because mm. she she knew that she didn't want them anymore that's beautiful she wasn't fighting against something mm. she could just let go it's in that realization huh amazing but but you know so many times um people told me in the recovery group that um they could really understand what I was talking to them about because there was one guy who said that he used to get what he called the clucking. So it's when every every part of your body is desperate for the drug. Okay. So everything is going crazy. Okay. And he would have the clucking. And then as soon as he bought the drug, everything would start to go. <laughs> so, yeah. so while it was in his hand, so even before he cooked it, let alone had the drug, his symptoms would lessen. Well, how can that be? It can, he could see it, that was only because he he let go of the thinking. I need it. 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 Yeah. Because he had it. Yeah. But it was nothing to do with the drug. So and then that's when he he understood it. That's amazing. Yes. yes. <clears throat> wow. So 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 to. I'm I'm guessing you know listeners are curious and I'm curious like what's your approach into this like what will you tell someone like an addict uh, for example an addict you know like what how would you introduce the principle like I know that's an you know a challenging question but but still you know it's it's just always pointing them back to seeing where it's coming from like this guy to see that it isn't coming from the drug it's coming from thinking about the drug mm. and to to show them that they're not what they think they're addicted to whether it's crack or alcohol or actually what they're addicted to is their thinking it's not a drinking problem it's a thinking problem mm. <laughs> you see so so the more i i talk to them about about the relationship between thought and feeling the more they understand it so it's no good I can't go into an addict and tell them to start thinking differently I mean if they could they would they think that's they think that's that's become who they are they've become their behavior rather than seeing it as separate so it's more I talk about so that they they give me examples um they give me examples in their life, so they'll they'll tell me what they've been struggling with that week, say, and then we'll talk about how the the perceived reality of that is one thing, and their thinking about it is another. Mm. So so they may come with a story of um, there was one guy once who who was in a terrible state because he had a, a, a utilities bill, um, a gas bill. Mm. 
and they had said that he owed them all this money, a lot of money. Well, for him, it was a lot of money. And he didn't have the money. And he panicked, completely panicked, because um, he, had a, he had a standing order. He set aside X amount of money a month for mm. this. And suddenly they were saying that, that it, it was going to cost a lot more. And he, but he panicked because he didn't have the money. I understand that. But he panicked because he had now a room in a house and he had lived on the streets for many years and he had a room in the house. And he was so frightened because if you, if you um, didn't pay your bills, you lost your room. It was a kind of condition of having a room uh, that you had to keep up with your bills. So, so he, he was going to lose his room in his mind. And he actually said, I can't live on the streets. It's coming up to winter. And I'm older now, and what am I going to do? I won't be able to live on the streets. I won't be able to keep warm. I won't. You see, he was speeding yeah, up. Yeah, he was telling yeah. me this thing, speeding up, speeding up, speeding up. And so what we, I was able to say in this situation was able to bring him back to right now, because that's what I do with him. Okay, right now, what's happening? And right now, you don't. You're, you have your room. Right now, you you know you need to contact the company and and ask them to explain why this bill and all this. What he was doing was he was relapsing into old habits. He wasn't going into drugs, but he was drinking because he needed to shut out the noise. Yeah. So trying to help him to see where the noise was coming from, because it's certainly not coming from that piece of paper with a number on it. So helping him to see where the noise was coming from helped him to see that he didn't need something else to take away the noise that he was creating innocently. Yeah. That's amazing, yeah. So in something like that, in that situation, I mean, this guy was literally ready to throw himself in the river. Mm. He was, he was so. Um, and actually, it turned out to be a good story because he did get in touch with the the uh, the company, and uh, in in actual fact, they owed him money. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there you so, go. So it's you know, a, and um, it's incredible. And, and one of the women I was I was working with, the woman that I mentioned a, a moment ago, she had she had spiraled into um, a crack addiction because she had two children um, and had a third and the third died of a cot death. And this sent her into, into, into deep grief and crack to shut the grief out. Oh. And then she lost her home. She lost her children. They went into care. She, she was imprisoned three times. She, you know, and um, she came to see me privately because her dad was dying of cancer and you know they knew he was dying mm. and she she loved her dad to bits and she was so terrified that her dad when her dad died it would send her back into crack because that's what she did before mm. so but we talked a lot about how far she'd come and how far she realized where her experience was coming from mm. and she came to see me on a thursday and she was like la- she, she was laughing she said well yeah, I can see now, you know, why would I go back to doing that? I, I don't need that. That's not, you know, she, she, was a, she knew yeah, yeah, that she yeah. could grieve her dad. She didn't have to be frightened of grieving because a lot of addicts, the, the hardest thing for them once they go into recovery is feeling emotion mm. because they have suppressed all emotion with their habit oh, yeah. and they don't know what to do with it when they feel it. It's very scary. So she was, she was, she knew she would have emotion. She would go up, she would go down, she would go up, she would go down. And um, on the Sunday, uh, Tony and I were on a training and I had a big long email from her because um, her nephew that she was very fond of, 16 and a half, had gone to his first rave the night before and he had taken MDMF and it had shut his body down. And he was in hospital. He was on his heart was failing. He was on dialysis. They'd had to cut his legs open because his muscles had expanded so much. And she was going to be, you know, crazy. And I had to just help her to be back now, mm. right now. What you need to deal with right now. Mm. This this is nothing to do with your daughter dying. This is nothing to do with your dad. This is right now mm. to deal with this. And then the next day. Um, I had another long email from her because she was in the hospital. I couldn't call her. And they were going to tell them whether they were going to turn the machines off. The doctors were telling the family. And I came out of the training at lunchtime and um, I had a very, I had a sobbing voice now. They'd turned the machines off. And I texted her immediately and I got a text back immediately. He just died. And then on the Thursday, 
her dad died in her arms and she did so so well this is a woman who was not able to face any emotion who had just been in a world of despair and crack for years and she says if it wasn't for her understanding of the principles she would have completely crumbled and gone back mm. and that's amazing isn't it that is really amazing yeah yeah that's it's just the power of knowing that uh, yes. you know it it's not it's it's really not a it's not a magic pill in the sense that we're realizing this you're not gonna have experiences and emotions and sorrow or pain mm. or or you know um, a, a, a strong emotions to or a tendencies or whatnot it's just like you point to, like you say it's just that knowing yes it's uh, it, i think i think like as you just pointed to the, the wonderful thing about this is that it's okay mm. it's okay to be in a bad mood it's okay to feel sad mm. it's okay to feel really miserable it's okay mm. because you know that if you leave it alone you'll come out of it mm. you'll come out of it you'll, you'll, you'll naturally rise up mm. if you stop keep going over and over and over the same old thoughts you know it's like that moment you don't know the minute or the second that you wake up and you don't you might have an alarm clock but you still don't know the second you wake up and you don't know the minute you fall asleep you just know that you were asleep and you know mm. that you are awake and that's like a mood isn't it if you don't keep poking it it changes and you know you might think oh do you know i was feeling really fed up an hour ago mm. or earlier on but you don't know when it changed what a great metaphor it with did. yeah yeah cuz we don't notice the transition there no. No. That's just, but, wow. but trusting that, mm. knowing that if you leave it alone, mm. it will change. Mm. And I think that's 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 the power. It's that, that you don't have to feel despair because you're in despair. Because you know you are in despair, but tomorrow you might be okay. Yeah. You might be okay in five minutes' time. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter what mood you're in. So true. It can be so when when in despair though it to play the devil's advocate here you know it makes sense or you know when in despair <laughs> um doesn't it make sense to try and fix it you know what i mean it it does it does if you're not if you're not, even with this understanding yes it does mm. but i think i think the more you you know you know with all the trainings I mean all the trainings we've been on and a, and a big part of the training is the grounding yeah it's the just knowing that if that as I say it's there that 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 your wisdom is there and it it will mm. somebody once said to me I, I I I spoke to I don't know if you know Kimberly Porter but she she came across the principles when she was in prison and she'd been in prison it was her fifth time for drug and alcohol abuse. And she she had one of the classes by Chip Chipman, hmm. and her whole life turned around. And she works with this now. And years ago, when I was first working with a crack addict, and I I I, I rang her, I skyped her, and I said, um, you know, what 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 should I do with this person? You know, I was a bit like, oh, you know, what would be the best way? And she said, just be with them, hmm. just be quiet with them, because their head is so noisy. They just need to be quiet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's the same as us. Mm -hmm. When we're in despair, our head is noisy. Mm -hmm. You know, there is, there is, there is no, um, there's, there's no wisdom in a noisy mind. Mm -hmm. You can't hear it. You can't hear it, yeah. And so it makes sense to fix it on, on a cognitive level. But I think the more that you have a grounding in this and the more you can help other people to get that grounding, the more that even if you're up here trying to fix it, you, you still know mm. to let it go and leave it alone. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think that's the, 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 the good thing. And the people around you, when, when you know, you know, I mean, this is not a la-la life, as you say. You know, I still really get in it <laughs> sometimes. I'm really in it. Mm. And, and if I am really in it for whatever reason... Um, you know, you know, Tony, my partner, who who also works in this, will know not to try and fix me. Mm. 
and and that's how and I that's how I am with my friends and family now too you know at that moment they don't want me to try and give them advice I don't have advice anyway but they don't want to be fixed they just need to get through it mm. and get out of it yeah yeah because that's a big one you know just that in relationships and knowing <clears throat> That was huge for me too, like knowing that, oh, there is nothing to fix. Just that, you know, that solid, uh, what's it called? Like a, like a remembering, like a, yes. something to hold on to, you know, that, okay, n now I'm noticing I'm getting more and more frustrated and I feel like a more contracting vibe. I'm trying here. I'm sitting here and trying and I'm not getting what I want, you know? And yes. it, at some point, the thought runs through me that, uh, Morton, you are probably buying, really buying into your thinking right now, but not admitting it to yourself, you know what I mean? Because it, <laughs> it's just like, okay. it's so real. And then it's good to know that just that, you know, just like the, the fact that there's nothing to do um, yes. helps me. Yeah. It's funny, I, I was just saying to this client that was here just before we spoke, um, and, you know, I was trying to it, explain to her how, as you say, when we're in it, it's so real. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, have you ever had a time when um, somebody you care about, maybe they're due to come home at six o'clock and it gets to six o'clock and they don't come home and you think, okay, and then it gets to half past six and you think, mm, that's, that's strange. So you ring them mm -hmm. and their phone's off. And then you start to think, mm, and then it gets to seven o'clock and then you start to really worry and you think, have they had an accident? Have they fallen down dead in the street? Have they? And the more that you start thinking about these things, you feel it and you start to really feel it. You feel upset, you feel upset, you feel worried, you, you, you know, you're, you're almost grieving for the fact they're dead. Mm. <laughs> and then they walk through the door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, where, where does that go? You know, where does the feeling go? But, but, but 10 minutes before that, it was real. Uh, yeah. But it's not real. It's real in the moment. In that moment. Yeah. That's amazing how it's this 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 experience of ours is it's so real time and it's so real at the same time. <laughs> it is, it is so real. But but you know, one one of the things that uh, that you know I've heard Bill Pettit talk about as well, and that I mentioned at the conference, you know with the whole genome project and um you know we have 120 proteins in our body and mm. scientists used to think we had the equivalent amount of genes mm. and then through the genome project they found out we have about 25,000 genes you know the same as an earthworm <laughs> <laughs> so we yeah, remember that yeah. complicated beast you know we're actually like an earthworm <laughs> And that, I think, that sometimes steadies me because I think, really, I'm going through all this, you know. Uh, and that's also, that's what's very cool about this, that's, it's that it's universal. It just yeah. from being a human being, this applies to you or this is relevant. This is just a, a fact. It's, yes. it's, it's a simple fact, really, you know, that we're actually feeling our thinking and not what we think about. Yes. But, but seeing that like really uh, insightfully seeing that for yourself is but, but you know when we look at children playing hmm. and we we laugh we think it's really nice it's 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 you know isn't it wonderful that they've got this imagination that they're they're being whatever they're being at that time and they're really being it hmm. yeah so whatever they're they're playing if it's star wars or whatever they're they're really feeling it and then, then they don't. Then it's lunchtime. They go and have lunch, and it's gone. Yeah. And we look at that and we say, "Oh, isn't that wonderful?" And we forget that that's what we're doing all the time. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's amazing. It is amazing. Um, there's a there's a guy I I, I worked with in the um, wellbeing group who, who had had severe depression. For 17 years he'd been he, he he didn't he there was no self-care about him he just had a mattress in a flat that's all he had and then he'd been coming to the group for about a year and he started going back to lecturing he, he lectured on astronomy he was doing really really well but I went to the group one day and he he was pacing up and down mm -hmm. and I said uh, oh Andrew you know are you okay he said no 
I'm going into a depression, I can feel it. So I said, oh, well, you know, come and sit down. So he came and sat down and I said to him, what did you do yesterday? And the day before had been a bank holiday and he started telling me how he'd been out and um, his friend had taken him to a garden centre and he was telling me all these things. And he was visibly lifting as he was talking. And, uh, and then at the end, I just kind of nudged him and I said, so how are you feeling now? And he was like, damn, she's got me again. Because, <laughs> you know, when he just sat down and I said to him, so Andrew, why are you feeling depressed? Mm. He would have told me. And with every reason, it would have validated how mm. true it was mm. and how he felt. Um, and that's what we do. But that's what we do all the time, isn't it? We have something that's worrying us. And we keep thinking about it, and we keep thinking about it, and we keep going at it, and going at it, and then wondering why we don't feel better. Yeah, and all of a sudden you're co. You kind of like two two or more people can co-create so many problems out of nothing. <laughs> out of nothing, exactly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, and like talking thing, talking. I mean, can be beautiful, you know, and and kind of like expressing and sharing what you're feeling in the moment um but there's a yeah there's also you know that understanding that we're pointing towards that if 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 really misunderstanding where the feelings come from in that moment then diving into it and, and engaging with it only enforces it or kind of like you know make sure that you keep holding on to it i guess <laughs> absolutely 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 it um we we live by the coast at the moment and i can see the sea and i often think of um i think it was dick and bettinger i first heard it from who said uh you know there's no there's no small wave that wishes it was a big wave Mm. They're just all waves. <laughs> and, and you know, that, that, that kind of thing, I think, can, can kind of bring me back. You know, mm. as I say, I think, this is a problem and I'm trying to, and as you say, trying to fix it. And I'm getting in my head, in my head, in my head. And then I'm like, okay, just the same. You know, I'm just, I'm just trying not to be a wave in the sea. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to, I'm just taking myself somewhere I don't need to be. Mm. That's so, yeah. And. And what I find about that, and under like seeing that, you know, opens up the opportunity for our state to change in a Absolutely. split second. Absolutely. It, the, yeah. There was a, a client I had yesterday who has uh, an addiction problem, and um, he was saying to me about um, willpower, and he said, "Well, you know." I've heard the per, you know, the weak willed. Someone says, "Well, you, if you can't give it up, you're weak willed." And I was trying to say, and I used, you know, the analogy of the sea again. And I said, "We're all made of the same stuff. We're all made of the same stuff. So how can one person be weak willed, and one person not be weak willed? It's not physically a thing. It's a mental thing. It's just where your mind is is focusing." Because that, that, that helps too, I think. If you don't think it's, uh, you know, I'm weak, I'm, I'm lazy, I'm useless, whatever people will say to themselves. Because we're all the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would love to hear uh, about how your new uh, Udemy course and uh, how, because I assume you're pointing in this direction but from the angle of weight loss tell about that well it, it's funny because talking about getting into your head if you had seen me over the last <laughs> months because i have i have no technical knowledge at all and trying to get my head around the the technology you know things like screen flow that i used to to oh my god it was just uh I was very in my head. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was the exception. Trust me. <laughs> really. But um, uh, as you mentioned, I, I, I had a book out. I, I put a book out in um, January 2013 uh, about weight loss from a principal's perspective because mm. it's never about the food we eat. It's always about the way we think about food and the way we think about ourselves because everybody... 
I have literally had hundreds of weight loss clients and they know what to eat. Mm. They've been on many, many, many diets. They know, they know, mm. but they don't know. Mm. <laughs> you see what I mean? It's always coming from outside. So they think this is the diet that's going to fix me. And they go on the diet and they're really enthusiastic and then it's boring. And so they come off the diet and then they feel like they failed. Mm. So then they look for another diet. So they're constantly looking outside for something to fix something that they've created inside. Mm. Yeah. So pointing towards the fact that um, it's never coming from outside. You see, what people are doing when they're eating, like shopping, like drinking, like dogs, whatever, they're looking for a feeling. That's what they want. They want a feeling. And a feeling is never going to come from a jam donut. Mm. Yeah. So... The, the food is completely neutral. It's what they do with the food mentally. So they, they, they think that food is going to make them feel something, which of course it doesn't. Eventually, they, then they start to beat themselves up because they've eaten it, so then they feel bad. What do you do if your habit, when you feel bad, is to look outside, then you go around and you have something else that's going to cause you to feel bad, and you go around in, in a circle. And, um, uh, and as I say, I've been... I've been in spare time, writing a book about addiction as well. But I suddenly um, had an idea. I had the idea about a year ago to do an online course and never got around to it because, you know, I was busy with life. And then this year I decided, yes, I want to do it. I have to say I've got the bug. You got a what? I've got the bug. Yeah. I want to, I want to do more. I want to do more. So <laughs> I actually, I, I, I did a first course, as you mentioned, and it's quite a long course. It comes out at six hours and it's quite in-depth because mm. it's a, it's a lot about thinking, but there's also a lot of um, kind of scientific and, and also practical stuff too. Uh, you know, I talk about the, the immune system and the gut mm. and what happens with that, you know, how mm. that can affect weight loss and foods that will help heal your gut and that kind mm. of thing. And then, I, and, and then since then, I've also put out another course, which is smaller, mm. uh, and that's that's to do with the way we think. So, you know, ditch the diet and the diet mentality. And that's a lot to do with the way we think. And I'm working on one now. I've just started. I want to work on one um, overcoming overwhelm. So that will be entirely about overwhelm and the way we think. Great. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Really... I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah. Love that. All right. Great, I thanks. think as well this would this may be a way to um, reach people that I wouldn't be able to reach normally. Yes. Because um, you know Udemy is worldwide, mm. and people people may buy a course, um, especially because Udemy discount them all the time, and they may buy a course and hear something mm. that they that I would never be able to to reach them to help them to hear. Another, yeah, exactly. It's fun how it works. It's fun with technology, huh? <laughs> oh, my God. Now it's fine, but oh, honestly, I was going crazy with it. <laughs> really, I was driving, I was really driving myself mad, yeah. Relating to that, it's interesting how we, you know, knowing this and knowing, you know, like, for example, in your case, you probably were inspired to create it and while starting the process you started to see that you know there's a lot of things you that comes up you know during the process and it's interesting to when having that understanding as a foundation you know and just knowing it it kind of helps the process of um, work-related stuff or like getting results in without uh without letting that um, those sticking points of the mind or whatever I'm going to call it um, stop you yes yes yeah it is it, I, I, I find um, on a daily basis mm. I, I see things I mean I, I know I was saying I don't have big insights but I do have lots of small insights on a daily basis I can see like oh look you know look what I'm doing <laughs> and it's 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 I think it's fascinating mm to kind of almost watch yourself going in and out and in and out and in and out. Yeah. And as I say, we, we live by the, by the coast. And um, uh, there was a weekend in the summer that I 
I had I had some time and it was wonderful and, and Tony was doing a kite surfing course <coughs> opposite in the harbour. So I had some time to myself and I was like, yes, I can read my books and I can work on my course and it's the sun was shining and I was watching people in the sea and it was perfect. It was perfect. <laughs> and then the next day, I had the next day, you know, I had the weekend to myself. So the next day I was um, I, I was back out there with my books and then and then something happened. I got into my head thinking about something. And I got really into it. And I didn't see the sea. And I didn't see the people. And I didn't feel the sun. It was like I could have been in marshland. Yeah. You know? And it, and it was just another reminder that it has nothing to do with where you are or what you're doing. It's, it's, it's always coming from your mind, always. You know, I have clients that will say to me, oh, well, I'm okay if I go on holiday. I love Italy, for example. I love Italy. I'm stress-free in Italy. Yeah? Um, as if the, the place was causing the feelings. When they're not seeing that, they're, they're going away, they're going on holiday, so they're dropping their thinking about whatever it is that's causing them stress at home. They're dropping their thinking, and they go to, they go to wherever it is, and they, they give themselves a mental holiday from their problems so they feel better. And then they come home and then they start, as they come home, to pick up their, their problematic thinking. And then they get back and they're back in their stressful thinking and they act like it was the place that caused the feeling of peace instead of recognising it was the fact they let themselves off. It's a bit like if somebody's on a diet you know, they think the calories don't count at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, but they think it's the place that's giving them their, their, their peace rather than recognising that they've let go of their thinking. And they can ha metaphorically have Italy wherever they want. <laughs> yeah. It's wonderful how that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. I, I just find. You see, the, I, I think um, you know. I've said this before, but the the wonderful thing about working with um, with this understanding is that I like having a, a diverse range of clients. I like working with weight loss clients. I like working with addiction. You know, I really do. I like working with people that have been diagnosed with illness. I know that sounds strange. I've worked with people that have had terrible trauma in their life and they can't, they, they, they're stuck in that trauma. And I, I really want them to be able to see that they can get over it. You know, I've had people that have come, I had a woman not so long ago that came and she, she it was five years ago, but she found her partner hanging. Um, and she has been thinking about that for five years and feeling mm -hmm. that. And I'm not for a second saying to somebody, act like it didn't happen, forget it, because you can't forget it. It's something that, that we, that, that's happened and that you, you, you feel really, really upset about and sad and you miss that person. I'm saying you don't have to be in that feeling all of the time. It's always there. You can go and visit it whenever you need to. But you don't have to be stuck in it. You know, you don't have to be um, constantly in that place. Yeah. Because what happens as well is I think that people, especially if it's something like grief or trauma, they are almost afraid to let it go, even for a second, because it feels irresponsible. Mm -hmm. They feel as if they should keep this feeling because this happened. Yeah, I can relate. My, um, I've had similar, not a similar, not the same thing, but I've had a friend who uh, killed himself, and, um, and and it's you know it's been waves of all kinds of different emotions. For sure, but this understanding has helped me be okay sorrowing, or what's it called? Uh, yeah. You know, be okay being sad, be okay uh, being also uh, being okay not being guilty. You know, at time, yes. you know, and yes. being okay having that guilt, being okay. You know, it's just it. it, it, it the okayness spreads over the range of emotions. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. You see, in, in even things like guilt, we, 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 
we feel guilt for a, re for a, a, a variety of reasons. You know, we can feel guilty that we said something to somebody that came out wrong or, you know, or, or in, in, in the case of somebody that commits suicide, mm. we can feel guilty that somehow we couldn't help them or mm. save them or, but they didn't want to be helped or saved in that moment because that was the best they had in that moment. It felt right. Mm. But, but again, guilt, like everything else, is just made up, isn't it? Mm. You know, you, you can't think, I really, I, I really, um, I feel, I feel so guilty today. I, it's too much for me. I can't deal with it. So I'm going to put some in my bag for tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's not a thing, is it's it? It's not a thing. It's thoughts. It's, it's created. Yeah. Yeah. So even guilt, when you see guilt for what it is, mm. um, you, you're able to let go of, mm. of that too, because again, it's, it's made, it's, it's entirely made up of, mm. of, of thought. It's a perfect, perfect ending there, Elaine. Thank you so much for it's doing this. And thank you Sorry. for putting out content and courses and just spreading this understanding and being well, there for people. You, you can probably tell I could, I could talk about this all day. Because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. That, you know, I got to keep the, got to keep it some kind of, uh, you know. Uh, it's wonderful, isn't it? Well, thank you. <laughs> Sure. All right. So for people who want to, uh, you know, join your, I'll have links uh, to the courses um, on in the in the show notes or in the description. Um, and if people want to contact you personally, uh, how do they do that best? Um, well, they, they can contact me via my website, which is www.elainehilides.com. All right. And they can they can get me there. And they can and people can always contact me. I'm very happy to answer emails and chat and <laughs> I can tell. Awesome. <laughs> All right, thanks again, Elaine. Thank you, Morton. This was the Paradigm Shift Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please share it on your Facebook. If not, then please don't. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>